Hello, everybody, and thanks for listening to another episode of Bay Brothers Podcast. Hi, I'm Andrew Hall. I'm Jack Deasing, and today is December the 9th. And to start off our podcast, we just want to let you know about a few of the things that we've started um, as of this podcast as we created a Twitter at Bay Brothers One, no caps. Again, it is Bay Brothers One. Go follow, we'll tweet polls, special exclusives. Uh, special videos. Also, if you have any questions, you can email us at baybrothers2018 at gmail.com. Uh, again, that is baybrothers2018 at gmail.com. Um, if you want to ask any questions, have any comments about this show, just have uh, give us an email and we'll try to answer that on the podcast. Yes, and our uh, opening song was Beautiful Soul. And uh, that relates to Mike McCarthy as, in regards to as a human person, he was known to be a good guy, but obviously over the last couple of years, a lot of complaints about his offense and how he was running things um, in Green Bay. Yes, and this morning, a newspaper came out, the Journal Sentinel, Mike McCarthy bought an ad in the newspaper, wrote a letter to the fans, very emotional, very touching. This week, he also met with the team, um, had an emotional meeting with them as it was a long tenure that Mike McCarthy was there. He was there for 13 years. Um, he won a Super Bowl in 2011. He had 125 wins with the franchise, which is second all-time in team history. However, uh, all good things have to end. Um, a book always has an ending. And for Mike McCarthy, it was time for him to go. Um, McCarthy and Rodgers... They disagreed about the offense, how it should be run, and they just didn't really jive anymore. Um, I really disagreed with a lot of the play calls by McCarthy. His playbook was very uncreative, and he's just not really the modern NFL coach. Yeah, I agree with that. And I also think uh, I don't how Rodgers dealt with it wasn't great either. He was kind of a baby about it. He's always been a little bit of a complainer, honestly. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously, you know, you don't – like the offense, you know, work it out. But I don't want Rodgers to be complaining like this all the time. But um, I do agree uh, McCarthy needed to create more modern offense to keep up with all the other teams. Yeah, and Rodgers has been pretty bad on the sidelines lately. It looks like he's yelling at a lot of teammates. I just think he needs to be more of a leader for that team and step up in a time where they need a lot of leadership when things are going wrong. And also... Um, this offseason, it'll be juicy to see who the Packers are looking for for head coaches. Will they go to the college level? Maybe Jim Harbaugh. Maybe uh, Urban Meyer, who said he's never coaching again, but maybe he's got other plans. But the bottom line is they need someone that can jive with Aaron Rodgers as he's going to be there for three more years. He's the center of that franchise, and he's going to lead the way if they want to have any success um, in that division. Yeah, I think their uh, window of winning is really closing in the Riders era as also the Vikings are, they will be better next year. They were good last year. They're still okay this year. The Bears having a surprising good year this year. And they're only going to get better with Cleo Mack. Mitch Trubisky's getting more experience. Jordan Howard at the running back position. Uh, it's going to be a crazy division. Yeah, so I think they really need to shift their attention towards meeting Rodgers' needs and uh, succeeding the draft and all those picks. All right, now um, moving on to a little overreaction, underreaction. So, hot take right now, the Packers are the most disappointing in NFL this season. Jack, what's your thought of this? Um, I would say if I had to choose one, it would be underreaction. I mean, 
Well, it's not really an overreaction as in I'm overreacting how bad the season was. It's just that I think the Packers could have done a lot better. And, um, I mean, obviously out of all the teams, they weren't like the worst. They were still in the wildcard race for most of the year. Um, but obviously they were looking to be a well over 500 team and be a top three team in the NFC. Yeah, I'm going to say underreaction on this one also. Um, even though the Packers have a disappointing season record-wise, they were in a lot of close games. If you really think about it, the Vikings game should have gone their way. Terrible call with the Clay Matthews. They were in the Seahawks game till the end. Late game field goal for the Seahawks. Um, they were in the Rams game without the time. Montgomery, Aaron Rodgers could have drove them down the field. Last week against the, against the Cardinals, that was a totally winnable game. Those are four games the Packers could have had back and that could potentially put them in first place in the division or even in first place for the wild card to even make the playoffs. So I think it hasn't been a totally, I would say it's been a disappointing season for the Packers, but it's not a doom. I'd say more disappointing teams are teams like the Jaguars, who, you know, they were a couple of plays away from the Super Bowl last year, and this year they're 4-9 and nine and just in a pile of disaster. Also, another game they should have won. They were in most of the game was against the Lions when Mason Crosby forgot how to kick a football. <laughs> he, I think, I think he forgot his contacts at home. Some that uh, <laughs> something was up with his foot that day. But um, now we're moving into rivalry uh, day yesterday and all the college basketball games. So we had Michigan State over Florida. Uh, Seton Hall beat Kentucky in a thriller, eighty-four, eighty-three, crazy game. Um, we're going to talk about Kentucky a little bit later in the show, but that was probably the game of the season so far with uh, Seton Hall up three, then Kentucky comes back in the final seconds in regulation, hits a three-pointer from the uh, half-court line, then Seton Hall wins a nail-biter in overtime. Also, um, uh, Tulsa with an upset and a white knuckler against K-State. And and I just have to talk about this. Tulsa did storm the court after the win. What's your opinion about this? That's a for sure no-go, man. You're a mid-major. You're a still a solid team in the AAC. Salute the troops to the storm the court gods. It's a no-go to me. Are you kidding me, Jack? you got to be emotional about your wins. Incredible win. Great defense. Emotional. This is the 16th team in the nation. <laughs> I need a top three. I need a top three. A little Dick Vitale for you there. Um... Another great game yesterday was Marquette winning over Wisconsin 74-69. Jack, you were at the game. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, very intense, obviously, as the in-state rivalry. Um, always been a great rivalry, but um, the, the true captain of the state uh, won that game. Yeah, I was watching the game. I was kind of rooting for Wisconsin. You know, I'm kind of a Marquette fan sometimes. I'll switch to Wisconsin. I guess I'm not a true either team uh you're wishy-washy is what you're I, saying. i'm wishy-washy but yes. i know you can root for both teams sometimes. that's pretty much a sin that's confession <laughs> <laughs> um but that was an incredible game yesterday um nebraska routing creighton 94 75 nebraska really pulling on strong that offense looking really good that place was rocking yesterday they beat a pretty impressive creighton team that i think they're going to contend in the big east but nebraska you know look out for them in the big 10 hashtag nebraska ball yeah, that, I like that, it. No, no, I, I didn't make that. That was, that was their hash. Yeah, I like it. And lastly, Kansas uh, with a nail biter at the end, beating New Mexico State sixty three sixty yesterday. Uh, I'm a little nervous about Kansas. Kansas, what about you, Jack? Um, I wouldn't say I'm totally worried about the regular season. I think they'll end up winning the Big Twelve. 
just because I don't think there's another team besides them who's really stood out to me. West Virginia's been struggling a little bit. Um, K-State looks okay, but not too impressive to me. So I think in the regular season they'll be fine, but I think they could be struggling to be a, a two a second weekend team in the NCAA tournament. And we'll dive into this a little bit later in the show with our Big 12 preview. Okay, so now moving on to a little Christmas talk. Um, a poll question for you today is, who are you listening to this Christmas? Yes, and as most of you saw on my Twitter this week, uh, Ben Crosby, Michael Buble, or Justin uh, Justin Bieber. Also others that I did not mention, Pentatonics, um, Frank Sinatra are already very good. For me, I think I have to go with... I'd say the classics in general, just Bing Crosby and Frank Sinatra are my favorites. Um, yeah, there are a lot of options. I would say it kind of depends for me in the mood. You know, if I'm in like a little, like, I'm just looking for a nice energetic Christmas song, I might go with the Pentatonics. Yes, they just yes, have like, the energy. They got a smooth beat. But, you know, if I'm doing homework, if I'm... If I'm just you know relaxing, I'm gonna I'm gonna tune into Michael Bublé. That just that soothe voice. He comes out of the cave two months out of the year. This is when you listen to him. So then again, go um, answer that poll question on the Twitter uh, at Bay Brothers. And options are Bing Crosby, Justin Bieber, and uh, Michael Bublé. And nice. if you wanna you know comment on another person that you really like, feel free. Um, now for our next segment on this day, 13 years ago, Tracy McGrady, uh, hit, had 13 points in only 34 seconds, propelling the Rockets to a stunning win. Um, the Spurs were up by 10 with a minute and two seconds remaining when Tracy McGrady went off hitting threes all over the place, had a three and one, uh, I wasn't alive at this point, but. It, it, the, I, the videos I've seen, it, it was unbelievable. Yeah, it's really hard to fathom 13 points in 34 seconds. I, I don't know good math right now, but if you average that out and put that points per minute, <laughs> looking pretty quick to me. <laughs> and in a quick debate, okay, what's more impressive? Nine points in eight seconds, Reggie Miller against the Knicks, I believe the year was 1992, or Tracy McGrady? Um, I'm going to go Tracy McGrady because... Um, with the, with the other one, you can get those three threes quick because you can like hit a three, get a steal, hit a three, get a steal, hit a three. I mean, it's still really impressive, but like, for this 13, it's such a, it's, it's a harder number to achieve in a small amount of time. Uh, I'm going to go with Reggie Miller on this one. One, it was in the playoffs, Reggie Miller's and two, I've heard stories where like, the game was almost done. I think there was a thirty for thirty about it. I think this is where I heard about well, it. Well, it was it was the Reggie Miller, and like the whole New York Knicks and that. Oh, yeah. Oh, the rivalry, right? Yes. And one guy said it was the end of the game. He was he was walking out of the stadium. Then he hears a bunch of boos from the New York Knicks fans, and sure enough, Reggie Miller had um, made the Pacers come back and win that game. So, but when when you said more impressive, I'm thinking like the composite solitary game. You know, we we did not create the variables of the playoffs, or or is that included in this? <laughs> well, you got to take the whole the whole thing of the situation. Well, I'm just looking at the co- composite, just you, one team versus the other team on a basketball court. I'm not looking on any other um, outer variables. 
you know, I haven't really factored this in. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just thinking of other things right now. Uh, another thing I was wondering is, I think Tracy McGrady actually tried to become a baseball player. Have you heard about that? I did not know T Mac was swinging, <laughs> swinging the wood before, but no, I, I thought he was a pitcher. Pitcher, he's a pitcher. Okay, I think he tried to become. I, I, I don't think know. He was just writing too much pine. I think <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, all right, so now moving on to some, you know, Jaguars talk. You know, we're in the north. We got to cover the south as well in the warm, uh, warm climate of Jacksonville. The Jaguars are a complete mess right now. As on Thursday night football, they lost thirty to nine to the Titans. Uh, if you haven't checked out the Derrick Henry video, um, you should definitely go check that out. They're on the Titans are on the one yard line. Derrick Henry gets the ball, stiff arms about four people. I, I mean, this this is impressive as the beast mode run um, with the Seahawks. It it was unbelievable. It was like a freight train, you know, just pounding everyone down. He's very strong. He's uh he's a, a beast, and um, the Titans pummel. The, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Jacksonville Jaguars are just a mystery team. They shut out the Colts last week. Um, now they're four and nine. They were probably one of the favorites in the AFC to come back and be a contender in the playoffs, but they have just been a huge disappointment this season. Yeah, after they upset uh, Pittsburgh in the playoffs last year, and they had a really good year defensively. It looked like with a lot of their players come back, they're going to be a defensive force. Blake Borles is coming on to be one of the um, much better quarterbacks in the league. So I did like them at the beginning of the year, but they have been much of a disappointment. Yeah, Blake Bortles, he's benched now. Um, I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are definitely going to have to go in the draft. You know, they'll have probably a top five pick, but they're going to have to go in the draft and get another quarterback. Blake Bortles just isn't their future. Some options that they have, I mean, this this quarterback draft is not loaded. Last year, um, there were lots of really good quarterbacks, but this year... The talent level is just not there. But the top quarterbacks are Dwayne Haskins out of Ohio State, Justin Herbert, who is regarded as probably the most talented quarterback. He just needs to be developed a little bit more. Um, Jared Stidham, who was projected to be the number one pick going into the season, but he had a really bad year with Auburn this year. And lastly, Drew Locke out of Missouri. Haven't watched a whole lot of Missouri football, you know. <laughs> Mizzou. <laughs> yeah, me either. Really. You know. <laughs> had a little bit better stuff to do than that, but <laughs> but uh, some dags at uh, Missouri football. This oh, watch out for Drew Lockout, a quarterback. Okay, and then today, um, a lot of NFL games that were important in shaping the playoff picture um, took place in the noon games. Um, the Packers, you know, coming back uh, first first game in thirteen years without. Mike McCarthy, they won 34 to 14 over the Falcons, who are also another team that's a disaster this year. The Chiefs win an absolute thriller in overtime, 27-24. The Ravens were up with two minutes remaining. Chiefs drove down, got the touchdown to tie it up, field goal in overtime. Um, the Colts break the Texans' eight-game winning streak, winning 24 to 21. Colts looking pretty strong, you know, yeah. contender for the wild card. The Browns in a shocking win over the Panthers. Uh, I'm not considering the Panthers a good team anymore. They were, I, I thought they were one of the favorites in the NFC a couple weeks ago, but you know, recently they, I think they've lost three straight games now. Uh, you can't let the Browns beat you. No, yeah, I mean they looked like they're going to be another a strong contender for the wild card, but they've kind of faded lately, and um, they've always they've been up and down this year, not very consistent with their offense. 
And right now in the third quarter, Cowboys up in a big match against the Eagles, 6-0. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens um, with that one in the remaining of the game. Now moving on to some winter meetings talk. For any of you guys that don't know, the winter meetings, a collection of baseball general managers, um, normal managers and owners, they're going to Las Vegas this year um, to talk all things baseball. So we're going to just give you an overview of the winter meetings and talk some possible you know, free agent signings, trades that could go over at this time. All right, so uh, <clears throat> one of the big ones that everybody talking about is Harper, most likely to sign with the Cubs. I would agree with this one because it seems like everybody's been hyping it up for so long. And, I mean, the Cubs don't have a ton of money to bear him, but um, I think they'll get it done in some way just because they're the Cubs. Okay, I definitely don't think the Cubs can get Harper. I mean, even though Chris Bryant and Harper are great friends, like I just don't think that's enough for Harper to go to the Cubs. The Cubs couldn't even sign Jesse Chavez who went to the Rangers for two years, $8 million, and Harper is going to be worth 40 times that much, probably getting a contract over $400 million. Do you think? Do you think he gets over $400 million? I really do. I just think that with the combination of... I mean, I, I would never pay Harper $400 I, I, million. I don't think he goes over three fifty. Like, I know that I'm, I would never pay him that much, but the combination of... He's a great baseball player to begin with, but then also the attention that he's going to bring to your franchise. I just think that, and he has the best, uh, he has the best like cl- best agent in the game. Um, I definitely think that he can get over four hundred million just because there's never been a player like him that demands as much attention as him and is a great baseball player. Um, also, factors into the Harper going to the Cubs. Uh, even though Boris has had really good negotiations with the Cubs as Arietta and um, Addison Russell have been on the Cubs and Boris is their uh, agent, um, I just don't think that the Cubs are going to have the money to spend for Harper to get in there because, I mean, they couldn't even sign a player that only gets $8 million. Nonetheless, $400 million. Well, going back to the money amount for Harper, um, I also think it's going to be like less like I said like 350 or lower because I don't think anybody's going to sign him to that long of a contract. I think the money's going to overwhelm them and they're going to get a little bit intimidated of him and everything that comes with it. So I think it would be more 3 to 5 years. Um I just don't think that because players love their long deals and Harper just another thing that he could get 400 million. Harper shot down 10 years 300 million with the Nats. So I'm thinking like 13 years, maybe 400 million for a team, which is a crazy deal. I'd never like, sign it, but that's the that's the thing he's gonna demand. Yeah, I, like I think he might end up signing that long one. I don't think it's smart at all because you look back and like Albert Pujols, he's signed that really Josh long contract. Josh Hamilton, all those big guys. So I think because once they start hitting 30, 32, it kind of starts all their everything starts going downhill from them. Just kind of the new age where it's like your peak is from you know, 22 to 28, and it's kind of like, that's it, compared to, I feel like, a couple years ago, 10, 12, 20 years ago, it's like, you know, it peaks from 26 to 32, and you're getting those years well into his 30s. Yeah, and some reasons why I would not sign Harper to a major deal, like, I'd be a team that I would want to sign him, but not for the money or the years that he's demanding. 
So last year, he had 10 defensive runs saved. That's a defensive metric that statisticians and teams use. So he had 10 defensive runs saved in center, which was 32nd best in the league. 16 defensive runs saved in right field, 34th best in the league. He was 6.6 runs below average in base running. He he had a 3.3 war, which is the measure of how valuable a player is. And that was 44th best in the league. He had a 24.3% strikeout rate, which is just absurd. An 18.4% walk rate, which is still really good, but a little down for him last year. And lastly, and possibly most importantly, um, his postseason average is only 211, and he's never won a playoff series. So I'm not taking... I mean, I'm not taking that into effect that he's never won a playoff series, but his postseason average just isn't that good. And he's been, you know, with the Nats who have been postseason contenders almost every year when he's been in the league. Um, so that'll be pretty interesting to watch this week. Um, another thing we're going to cover right now is the Goldschmidt um, trade that took place this week. Goldschmidt got sent to the Cardinals. For Luke Weaver, um, a pitcher, he came up last year uh, as a rookie. His ERA was 4.95, not super impressive, but you know, um, I think he'll improve over the next years. Um, catcher prospect Carson Kelly and 24-year-old infielder prospect Andy Young. What do you think about this trade? For this uh, trade, I think... It will pay off for both teams. It won't be that bad. Actually, um, I think the Dimebacks could come back whoa, from Whoa, 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 Jack. But I don't think... 